Tuesday morning. I'm Roger, and um, we'll be here till nine o'clock this morning. And then uh, we have the author's hour with our good friend Wayne Barber. He'll be uh, on the air. And he'll um, be uh, talking about uh, music uh, from the 50s and, I think, 60s. Some uh, early uh, early rock and roll. We'll see what it's all about with the Author's Hour and Mr. Uh, Wayne Barber on WNRI, one of our long-running programs. going to be a busy day later in the day. Uh, of course, our regulars will be on the air at uh, 11 o'clock, uh, Mr. DePietro, 2, uh, 2 o'clock, Mr. Dion, 4 o'clock, Mr. Gamash. Then at 6 o'clock, Joe Luca Real Estate Show from 6 to 7. Long-running program here on WNRI over 15 years. And then we have um, Rick Mernier and Old Time Bible from 7 until 8 o'clock. And then today, a special program at 10 o'clock this morning. And it's all about Valentine's Day. It's beautiful love songs for uh, Valentine's. Uh, if you're a romantic, this is a program for you. And the songs are, are chosen from great motion pictures. And uh, I'm sure you'll recognize some of those songs as part of your memory bank of great music. That'll be at 10.05 this morning on WNRI Love Songs for Valentine's Day. All right. So what are we going to do today on the Upfront Program? We're going to chat with um, Jessica De La Cruz. And uh, Jessica um, is a Rhode Island senator. And she's uh, right in this um, upper district here. Uh, she uh, she is part of North Smithfield with uh, Melissa Murray, state senator. She's a Republican, and she also is the Senate minority leader. And uh, so we'll be chatting with her. And uh, the reason we uh, reached out to Jessica was, well, when Governor Dan McKee, who was on the program um, about a week and a half ago, and he was promoting his budget that he would like the General Assembly to adopt, uh, he uh, delivered uh, that proposal to the uh, General Assembly in the State of the State Address. And what we do is we offer an opportunity for uh, the minority party in the state of Rhode Island, that would be the Republicans, to uh, offer a rebuttal to it. And Jessica Lee De La Cruz was the Rhode Island senator on the Republican side that delivered that address. I come to you tonight committed to making sure that this state that we love, with its beautiful coastlines, vibrant communities, and resilient, hardworking people, is on a stable path forward with its best days yet to come. This time every year, we pause to assess our progress and reassess our priorities for the years to come. But to learn from our mistakes, we need to be honest in our assessment. The issues I will touch on tonight did not start because of the pandemic, so it's time to stop blaming our systemic problems on COVID. The governor has put forth his 2030 plan, and it's important to recognize that we agree on many of the issues facing our state, but our solutions are very different. And we're going to find out just how very different they are. That was Jessica from the address that she made the night of the State of the State address, and, uh, and now we're going to talk with her uh, personally. As soon as she gets um, one of her uh, children on the school bus, <laughs> that's why we uh, didn't introduce her right at the beginning of the program, because um, she's a mom, and uh, she's a senator, and a busy person, 
And so uh, we uh, gave her enough time to do that. So she'll uh, be checking in with us as soon as that school bus arrives. Uh, and that gives us an opportunity to talk about some of our, uh, our sponsors here at WNRI. And then we'll, we'll chat with Jessica. One of them is um, a unique uh, business. Now, it used to be that this kind of business was not unique in any way. You could have like uh, maybe a dozen of them in one community. We don't have any in Woonsocket, and uh, there's only one in the northern region, and that's shoe repair. And yes, there is a shoe repair shop in Cranston that's ready to do many, many repairs for you. This guy is very, very specialized. His name is Jerry, and we're talking about Jerry's Shoe Repair. 35 years of experience on Oaklawn Avenue in Cranston. Jerry Shoe Repair offers many services, such as, uh, let me see, uh, shoe shining and leather and pocketbook repairs, soles and heels, shoe stretching, snaps and zippers and orthopedic lifts, and even the restringing and reconditioning of baseball gloves, you name it, uh, and Jerry Shoe Repair will take care of it. Jerry's also cleans and weatherproofs UGGS and has uh, red protective soles for the red bottom designer shoes that are so popular. No need to look any longer for a shoe repair service company. Go to Jerry's Shoe Repair, 681 Oakland Avenue in Cranston, Rhode Island. And uh, Jerry will be able to take care of your needs when it comes to um, getting, um, you know, uh, shoes repaired or or any of the uh, services that I mentioned. All right, that's one sponsor, Jerry Shoe Repair, Oakland Avenue in Cranston. The other one I want to mention is in uh, Lincoln, and that's Birch Beauty. And they're open today, Valentine's Day. And so we're offering uh, the advertisement as a place to find unique Valentine gifts for your loved one, like a beautiful candle. And um, this is um, a mother and daughter operated business located on uh, Smithfield Smithfield Avenue in Lincoln, 897 Smithfield Avenue. Now, what does this mother and daughter business do? Well, they hand make candles and they also hand make soaps of all kinds. And this is all done at Birch Beauty in Lincoln. The soaps are natural soaps. The bath products are natural. And uh, we carry, uh, and this is um, cruelty-free and echo-friendly soaps. We have the soaps, we have the body lotions, we have the sugar scrubs, the shower steamers, the shaving soap, and so much more. And all of our bath and body products are handcrafted in small batches with organic oils and organic butters. And we have a large selection of handmade candles too products made with you and your family and the planet earth in mind that's birch beauty located at 897 smithfield avenue three years in business mother and daughter operation you can head over there today and um, open valentine's day today they're usually not open on tuesdays but they are today um and and select something unusual for your valentine uh, gift all right and that's Birch Beauty. All right, that's another one of our uh, sponsors. And uh, I'm queuing up to uh, another one on Willow Street here in Woonsocket. And they come in very, very handy. I know a lot of people used M&N, a laundromat, 
when they lost power uh, during uh, one of the storms a little bit earlier here in the wintertime and uh, couldn't use their washing machine and Eminem came to the rescue. Matthew and Nell invite you to drop off your laundry at Eminem Laundromat. We wash, dry, fold when you drop off for only a dollar a pound. Includes detergent, bleach softener, dryer sheets with clear plastic bags. Pickup and delivery is available too. We have all commercial front load machines, 20 pounds, 30, 40, 60 pounds, and 80 pound washers. And enjoy our 65 inch flat screen TV and free Wi-Fi while you're here. Commercial accounts are also welcome including nursing homes and restaurants. We have the equipment to do the big jobs with washers up to 100 pounds and dryers up to 45 pounds. Have a question? Call us at 769-9661. The husband and wife team, Matthew and Nell, invite you to stop by our 389 Willow Street location. Matt is a Woonsocket native and proud to say M&N Laundromat is locally owned and operated. Do you have trees on your property needing attention? Wintertime is the right time for an assessment. Call Rhode Island Tree and Landscape for your free estimate. With over 40 years' experience, they're certified operists and fully insured to give you peace of mind. They're a full-service company offering tree removal, pruning, trimming, stump grinding for commercial and residential customers. Call Rhode Island Tree and Landscape in Rhode Island at 401-276-2828. Or in Massachusetts, call 508-399-7773 for your free estimate. All right, thank you, Rhode Island Tree. And um, we uh, just want to tell you about Belos for your uh, last-minute flower pickup. And uh, then uh, we'll uh, chat with uh, Jessica De La Cruz and uh, find out what's going on at the State House from the uh, other side of the aisle, as they call it, right? All right, so it is Valentine's Day, and we've been running it out about, you know, ordering your flowers early. And uh, and locking in at a certain price, and that was uh, that was good a week ago, uh, but today is the day, and uh, today when you buy your flowers at Below Flowers, um, you'll be paying whatever they they paid uh, the day before, and it's always a little bit a uh, little bit higher. But on the other hand, uh, you can always depend on Below's uh, to make sure that uh, when flowers are delivered for sale to their customers that you're going to get a quality product that lasts. So anyway, here on Valentine's Day, uh, come on in to uh, our good friends at Belo's on Diamond Hill Road here in Woonsocket and um, and pick up your your flowers for Valentine's Day. And, and we've got them. We didn't run out. And we also have, um, besides, you know, the, the traditional flowers that people uh, order, we have some uh, cut flower bouquets, we have some vase arrangements, we have some wild flowers, stuffed animals, balloons, and candy, and Valentine's cards. You gotta have a card, right? And, uh, and, and of course, flowers. You may arrange, um, delivery service if, uh, we're able to do it. We'll, uh, we'll let you know how, uh, how our schedule is going. If you'd like to find out more about, uh, Valentine's flowers and gifts or delivery, 766-3165 is the number 766-3165 happy valentine's day from um from below flowers on diamond hill road right here in Woonsocket. all right we're going to um, get down to uh, business here on the upfront program let's get the official reintroduction going and then we'll talk to the senator right you're listening to wnri's upfront a radio internet talk show 
Now, let's get back to the panel. All right. The panel uh, has reconvened. We've uh, taken care of a few advertisements. And now we'll uh, talk to uh, Senator De La Cruz. Uh, did you, uh, you did remember Valentine's Day uh, for your sweetheart, right, uh, uh, Senator? I hope so. I did. I, uh, my husband loves chocolate, so he got a nice chocolate bar this morning. But that's, uh, that's it. No flowers. <laughs> no flowers. How about, uh, was it dark chocolate or uh, milk chocolate? It was uh, caramel chocolate. Caramel, oh, that's great. All right, just making sure you're, t- you're taking care. You know, you take care of state business. You got to take care of that kind of business too. <laughs> yes, I agree. Welcome to our microphones again, and uh, we're, we're going to uh, go all over the place this morning for uh, for our interview. Um, but um, as I explained to our listeners when we began the program, um, uh, the reason we reached out to you for today's program was to give you a little time to absorb uh, what's going on in the Senate and General Assembly in general after the uh, governor's state of the state address, and you had the Republican uh, response to that. And uh, in the response, um, um, you said, uh, you know, there are many things uh, that um, we as Republicans agree with as uh, the uh, budget has been proposed, and some we uh, disagree with. Um, So... And we'll talk about a few of those things, uh, uh, like charter schools and like the tax rate and so forth. But but uh, you did um, say that there was uh, some agreement. And you would like to comment a little bit on what uh, you might be on the same page on in terms of uh, of what the governor had to say. Jessica De La Cruz, our senator guest this morning. Thanks for having me on, Roger. So when I said that we agree on some issues, we agree, you know, uh, on the issues that need attention. So we know that uh, public education, especially in Providence and in our inner cities, um, we find that a lot of the students are not reading uh, at proficiency, um, at grade level proficiency, or even in math. And some districts are so bad that they have less than 5% proficiency in the entire school. Um, and so we agree that there's a problem, but we disagree on what the solution might be. Um, the uh, taxation, um, you know, I, I'm hearing from Democrats that we need to provide relief, but, you know, 0.15% on a sales tax, that's not really relief. That's, that's $39 a year per family if they spend $51,000 on taxable goods. Now, I don't know how many Rhode Islanders spend that kind of money on taxable goods. Um, so, again, we agree that there is a problem or that, um, you know, maybe not necessarily a problem there, but that Rhode Islanders should be taxed less, but we disagree on uh, what that uh, percentage should be. Um, so, you know, I love working with my colleagues, um, and, and I say it all the time, uh, you know, I have Democrat family members, friends, people I go to church with. They're not bad people, but um, we sometimes agree on things and sometimes we disagree on uh, on things. And this is one of those areas where we agree but disagree at the same time. So, since you brought up the sales tax, uh, one of the topics I plan to bring up, uh, let me ask you this. So, it's a Democrat-controlled General Assembly, both on the House and, and Senate side. Mm-hmm. Um, and... I have to admit uh, that, uh, and and I think most of our talk show people around here found that 
proposal by the governor, uh, 0.15% going from 7 down to 6.85, almost a a joke. So therefore, do you sense now that um, you've um, had a few sessions in the General Assembly, there there is some Democrat support uh, in the General Assembly that could bring it down a few more notches uh, to maybe six and a half. I know you propose five, but uh, is he even going to get the six point eight five through, or is it going to be modified? Well, I, I let people know that when the governor proposes his budget, um, that then it goes to the House, and the House really handles the budget. Not that the, the Senate doesn't, because the Senate does, but. Um, that's kind of like their baby, we'll say. And then the House and the Senate, theirs is, we'll say, judges because uh, they confirm justices. Um, but the constitutionally speaking, I would say that the governor is probably one of the weakest governors in the country. Uh, and a lot of the power sits in the legislature, in the House, in the Senate. And so the governor proposes his budget, and then it goes to the, the House and the Senate, and the, the speaker and the Senate president, they talk, you know, they, they, they discuss what's going to be in the budget, what's not going to be in the budget. They talk to the governor. They, they work together because, you know, the three of them are in the same party. Um, but if, truth be told, if, if the speaker says, you know, we don't want 6.85, it's not going to be in the budget. Um, but they do work together. Uh, so is it possible that that proposal will be scrapped? It's very possible, but uh, I I think that we've made a really good point, and Rhode Islanders from across the political spectrum have said that is a joke, that is a slap in the face, $39 doesn't even buy me dinner at Valentine's Day with my husband. It doesn't. Um, It's not a significant saving, and Rhode Islanders are struggling. I know it. I've talked to people. uh, I've talked to elderly at the Dunkin' Donuts in the morning. Senator, my, my electric bill is now... $400. How does that happen? It's just me and my wife are retired. How are we going to pay for it? Um, Rhode Islanders need significant relief. And how can we do that? It would be, I think, through the sales tax because it is a regressive tax and it predominantly hurts those who are um, low, middle income, fixed income earners. And so, and 5% for me, talking to my caucus and doing the research on the numbers, my Republican caucus, is that we want to make ourselves competitive with other states. And so it is enticing for them to change their patterns of shopping, to say, you know, significant savings in Rhode Island, I'm going to go stop in Rhode Island and shop there. So so we're going to keep Rhode Islanders in Rhode Island, and then we're going to have those in Massachusetts and Connecticut that, you know, are on our border, choose to shop in Rhode Island because it makes financial sense. If we lower it to six and a half, well, I just don't see Massachusetts shoppers or Connecticut shoppers having the incentive to come to Rhode Island because uh, Massachusetts is six and a quarter, and uh, Connecticut is at six point thirty-five. So, what about six <laughs> percent? You must have said when you were thinking about it, six uh, percent would do it. But you know, when I heard um, from seven to five, and I, I'm and I'm a person that doesn't like to pay sales tax, I said that's great, but that's a that's a huge chunk. It is a huge jump. It is. Um, it's pretty bold, right? And I said, we need bold changes. So uh, we did think about 6%, but I think uh, we should, as Republicans anyway, we did our uh, we did some research and we feel that 5% would be, again, a 
really big, enticing would be, it's a big enough change where people would want to, ch to change their patterns. Now, 6%, I'm not against tax cuts. So, it, I, and I joke that I've never met a tax cut that I didn't like. So, um, my Democrat colleagues put in a piece of legislation for 6% sales tax. Now, again, when we look at our sales tax, and you said, Roger, that you, you kind of laughed at it or you, I forgot the exact words that you used, but saving point, um, one five percent. So Rhode Island is going to be saving point, or um, Massachusetts residents will be saving point two five percent. It's a little bit of a savings. Would it be enough to entice people to say, "I'm going to come to Rhode Island"? Maybe, maybe not. But I know that five percent would. So um, we just looked at again what would what would entice people to come over to Rhode Island and say, "This makes sense for me to alter my." My, um, my pattern on, on Friday afternoon when I'm going grocery shopping or getting gas. Because, you know, I used to live, I've, I've lived in Rhode Island all my life. But when my parents immigrated to the United States, they moved to East Providence because that's where all the Portuguese people were living. And uh, so, you know, I joke around, a little Portugal. So I lived in East Providence, and I know family and friends that would go to Seekonk, Massachusetts, because the gas was cheaper, um, the taxes were lower, and then so they, they did their shopping, and then maybe they stopped somewhere to eat, and all of that spending, all of those dollars were, were retained by Massachusetts instead of Rhode Island. And so we want the same, the same thing to happen here in Rhode Island. We want people to come here and say, you know, I'm going to buy my gas here because I'm already here. It's cheaper to buy things. You know, while we're here, let's go out and have a family dinner. Um, so... We'll see what happens, but we're having hearings, which is a good thing, and we had a lot of uh, people write in, um, send in an email in, in support of uh, the 5% sales tax. So we'll see. Maybe it's 6%, maybe 65 maybe there's no change. We don't know. Too early to tell. All right. Um, I'll make my predictions, but... Um... <laughs> I'll make mine, too. I, I, uh, anyway. <laughs> 5%, I don't know if it's going to happen, but uh, I, yeah. there may be some kind of an adjustment. Next topic, um, you mentioned it. You went out of your way to mention it in your, in your remarks uh, the other night. Charter schools here in Rhode Island. And this is a, I mean, uh, here in Woonsocket, we are uh, populated with uh, charter schools, uh, all, kinds of, uh, all kinds of schools that are outside of what I call the traditional Woonsocket High School, Woonsocket Middle School, Woonsocket Elementary Schools, their mayoral academies, their charter schools, and so forth. Why did you take time out of your speech um, to mention charter schools as an issue? Can you uh, give a, fill in a little bit of background there? Sure. Um, so as a member of Oversight, I, I've been fortunate enough to listen to hours of testimony of parents that have called in because... One year, the Senate had put in um, some legislation to stop the expansion of charter schools and also um, to take some funding away. And I felt that, uh, obviously, I spoke out against it, and eventually the, um, the proposal was scrapped, so the charter schools were able to go forward. But the reason for, for that is, and I'm, a, I'm a, a graduate of public schools, so I'm not against public schools. Um, I think that they do provide good education, but there are instances in which the public schools are not doing a good job, and we see that with the RICAS scores. 
where some schools have lower than 5% proficiency. Now, if you have the majority of your students who can't read and write and can't do math, how are they going to be productive members of society? How are they going to provide for themselves in the future and even the family? Um, it, it's just not going to happen. Um, and so when the schools are failing, I feel it's incredibly unfair and unjust to these children and their families to trap them in a failing system and really sealing their fate as adults, um, it's unfair. It's incredibly unfair. It's unjust. And I don't think, and as I said on my speech, I don't think that a child's zip code or a family's wealth should determine the quality of a child's education. So in that instance, I would say families need options. If your school is failing, you should have the option to send your child wherever you think is best. If that is a charter school, a mayoral academy, if it's a um, private school, you should be able to take tax dollars and send your child to a school that can meet their needs. Uh, and that's not happening in some areas of our state. Is this an issue for uh, your constituency uh, in uh, Potano, Smithfield, and uh, and Boroughville? And do you have a do you have a slice of Gloucester at all? I have all of Gloucester, all of Burville, and a slice of North Smithfield. Okay, all right. So, yeah. uh, is this um, a uh, an issue out out there? Are they satisfied? Uh, like, for instance, I'll take uh, Gloucester as a as an example. Got a pretty decent school system from the way I've been able to observe the Gloucester school system over the years. Um, and so, um, sending a kid to a public school in Gloucester might not be uh, the same as sending a kid to a public school in Winsaugan. Right, and some parents are going to be very happy with the education that their children are receiving because, like you said, in my district, there are, most of the parents are going to say that they are very pleased with the education their children are receiving. And I think that's great. That's a testament to the, the, uh, the school systems that we have. But there are always going to be a, even a small percentage or subset of the population that says, you know, my child doesn't do uh, well in this kind of a setting, but the classroom is too big and maybe my son or daughter has, you know, ADHD or has an IEP or, or whatever it is. And maybe my child is exceptionally bright and needs to be challenged. And so I need to send them somewhere else that, you know, has a special program. Whatever it is, um, I do think that people should have the choice um, because you know your children better than anyone else. And I will say, you know, again, I grew up in East Providence, and I love East Providence. Never thought I'd leave. You know, uh, it's a small state. My family's still there. Not that North Smithfield is far away, even though they complain that it's, you know, over 20 minutes to get to my house. Yeah, long way off. (laughs) It is a long way off. But um, I remember when my, you know, I always paid really attention to national politics, but I didn't really pay attention really closely to uh, local politics until I had children. And... It was my oldest when he was getting ready to go to school, and I started researching the schools in my area, and I thought, you know, this school is not performing so great, and why should I send my child to a school that's not performing well? And so, naively, I thought, oh, there must be some kind of, like, voucher program where, you know, I could send my child somewhere else if if the school isn't performing uh, well. Well, I I was surprised. My only option was I could move to a different district, um, I could homeschool, or I could send my child to a private school. Um, or charter school, but every time I apply for a charter school, I was always on the wait list. And um, at the time, we just were not 
in the financial, we didn't have the financial ability to send um, him to uh, private school. Uh, so my choices were homeschool, East Providence, or move. And eventually my husband and I decided we move. And I feel fortunate enough that we were able to. And one of the driving factors were what's the education system like in the community that we're going to choose and the taxes. Are they too high? Because also the taxes were very high in each province. Um, and so we ended up settling in North Smithfield, but we were looking in areas like Gloucester and Burrowville and Lincoln and Smithfield um, and North Smithfield, of course. So, few of our listeners have comments here for you. Okay. Uh, just uh, for listeners just tuning in, Jessica De La Cruz is our guest. Senate District 23, Ponce and Osmondfield, all of Gloucester and Boroughville on our live line. First listener writes an email that says, um, good morning, more important than the regular sales tax is a gasoline tax. Mm. This uh, listener says, I passed a Rhode Island station this morning to buy gas in Massachusetts. The cost was a full 10 cents less at the gas station than 50 feet from the State of Rhode Island in the town of Blackstone, I see far more Rhode Island registration plates there than Massachusetts plates. Every time I get my gas, Rhode Island needs not to just delay the increase in gas tax. Mm. We need to lower it the same as Massachusetts. Only then will I buy gasoline in Rhode Island, writes a Woonsocket price consumer um, in the email. Comment, please. Yeah, so... Um I would point to last year, um, my Republican colleagues and I in the Senate put forth um, a bill to suspend the gas tax completely, which is 35 cents and for the year. And, you know, we, we didn't get a hearing until later on, so then we said, okay, we'll amend it for six months, at least for, for the rest of the year, just to suspend it because, again, things were very high uh, gas price wise and everything else but uh, we were told and scoffed at really and told what's 35 cents a gallon that's not significant savings well hmm. 35 cents a gallon we're talking about five dollars per fill up two cars mom and dad that's ten dollars a week and over a year that's 520 dollars you know Compared to the governor's $39 savings that he's going to give us on the sales tax, and actually, let's even compare apples to apples. He wants to save you $0.03 cents per gallon. He thinks, again, we were scoffed at as Republicans that that $0.35 cents was absolutely nothing. It was too insignificant. Now the governor proposes $0.03 cents instead of $0.35, cents, completely eliminating it, making it competitive with Massachusetts. And yes, I do agree. We A lot of people... Uh, go over the border to buy cheaper gas in Massachusetts. So we would have saved $520 a year. To me, that's a lot of money in my pocket. That's a lot of change. That's a lot of groceries that I can buy. That's a month's worth of electricity that I could pay for. Um, so I agree with you. And I know that I'm not going to get every tax cut that I put forth, but the point for me is I'm going to keep proposing tax cuts until we get one, and I'm going to throw them from every angle. How can we save Rhode Islanders money? Is it the sales tax? Is it the gas tax? Is it uh, getting a rebate because the government took too much money and we're not in the business of making profit in government, right? You only take what you need so you can pay for the, the services that we, we provide. Give money back to Rhode Islanders. That's going to be our goal. All right, I'm going to ask you a question. Um, it's going to be controversial, but I'm going to get you off the hook before you even answer it. 
So, uh, oh no! Yeah, right, right. I uh, love controversial questions. Uh, and thanks to uh, <laughs> thanks to uh, Senator Murray uh, for getting you off the hook. I'll explain what I mean in a second. First of all, okay. Um, there's a bill introduced in the House, not in the Senate, by okay. Representative uh, Sanchez um, mm-hmm. uh, from Providence that would allow cities and towns like uh, Gloucester and Boroughville and uh, Smithfield to expand voting rights uh, in their municipal elections only to all mm-hmm. residents regardless of immigration status. And, um, and so that means uh, that uh, somebody who uh, is undocumented or illegal, uh, if this passed, could vote in a, in a Gloucester election, but not in a state election or a federal election. Now, the reason I'm getting you off the hook early on the question is I was listening to uh, Melissa Murray on another radio station, and she said uh, Representative Sanchez's bill probably, even though there are a lot of progressives around, probably won't get too far. Maybe in five years from now, though, it will come mm-hmm. in. So uh, what do you think about this uh, this bill? Well, I, I do agree with uh, Senator Murray that I don't think it will go anywhere. Uh, but the, the point for progressives, really anybody, uh, is you're going to submit the bill. You know there's it's most likely not going to pass the first year. But you keep submitting it, and you keep talking about it, and you keep chipping away until finally you get that legislation passed. I... I'm a daughter of immigrants. My parents immigrated to the United States. I told you from Portugal. They came to East Providence. And, um, you know, when I talk to my family about immigration and whatever other topics like that, um, let me tell you, they are appalled at such a proposal. I don't know of any country that you can walk into, cross its borders and say, I am not a citizen. I'm here illegally or I'm here legally and I'm going to vote in your election. <laughs> That does not happen anywhere. And why even the United States or Rhode Island would consider such a proposal is absolutely preposterous. It's ridiculous. And, um, and that comes from, from people who immigrated to the United States. They, they come here because it's a place of opportunity. It's a place of freedom. And we want to preserve that. And we're also a place of laws. And, uh, you know, what happens with lawlessness, it's, it's, uh, it's not conducive to a, to, a, to a flourishing society. And so um, I'm absolutely against it. And I know many immigrants that are. And I'm sure there are some people that, you know, progressive leaning uh, far, far left of the, their party propose, um, you know, some outlandish thing. And they will continue to do so. But um we have to speak out against it and 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 seek the reasons why. As preposterous um, as this is, though, five years down the line, it could happen, right? It could. I mean, I feel like it could. Um, when Representative Sanchez says, "Well, you know, places like California, we don't want to be California. California is, you know, is a dumpster fire, and I certainly don't think we should be trying to model ourselves after them." Might be one of the few issues that you and Melissa Murray agree on in the Senate uh, because uh, you uh, come from, uh, shall we say, different points of view. We'll put yeah. it that way. Yeah. Let's go on here. <laughs> one of our listeners uh, says, Good morning, Roger and Jessica. I follow Jessica on Facebook. She's young, energetic, and I truly appreciate her values. In my opinion, Jessica is a gem for the people of RI. Regrettably, she isn't in my district, but I'm still a cheerleader. Keep up the great work, says Sandra in her email Aww. to to us. So I guess Sandra approves of what Sandra. you do. <laughs> Thank you, Sandra. I appreciate it. Oh, that's so sweet. All right, let's get partisan here. Uh, does okay. the Republican um, 
I guess you'd say, uh, minority in the Senate have a, a plan. Uh, I think you referenced it in, in your address after the state of the state from the governor that you have your own set of um, of bills that you might be introducing. Could you comment on that and make, and did I understand that right? Yes, you absolutely did. So I submitted the 5% with my, with my colleagues. Um, Senator Rogers has submitted the um, refund. So the state has surplus that based on what you paid in taxes would be what you would receive in, um, in a refund. It would be calculated based on what you get, um, paid in taxes. He submitted that. Um, we will be submitting uh, education legislation as well. Um, I'm hopeful to be working with, um, uh, it hasn't come out yet, so I won't go too much into detail about it, but I'm hoping to work with one of my Dem, uh, Democrat colleagues to submit um, a piece of legislation uh, trying to address some of the issues um, with our failing schools in the district, I mean in the state. Um, and then we also have um, energy policy that we'll be submitting um, and some of our colleagues are putting in uh, constitutional matters of the Constitution, um, protecting the Constitution, that is. So we're, we're hitting everything from taxation to public policy regarding uh, environmental uh, protections, everything that you can, uh, can imagine, yeah. Um, in talking with you yesterday, you explained uh, to me as uh, the Senate Minority Leader that Basically, uh, you you have a seat, so to speak, on every committee that's in the Senate. Did I understand that right? Um, or at least a voice? Yeah. So I'm um, ex officio, which means I am a member of all committees. But really, So I have my standing committees that I am assigned to, and that's uh, oversight and labor. But I can also, if there's an... If my bill is in, uh, in the education committee and I want to sit as uh, a senator in that committee and not as a, as a guest to, to present my, um, my piece of legislation, I can sit in on committee, ask questions of, of uh, individuals who come to testify. Uh, so I do that actually not, I mean, I, don't, I can't do every committee because I've got my own and there are only so many hours in the day. But when I do have the opportunity, I do jump into finance. I do jump into education, um, any of the other committees that have something that I would like to, you know, opine in. Yeah, opine. All right. <laughs> I like that word. I haven't heard that one in a long time. Uh, do you ever meet with the governor? I mean, uh, I mean, he's in the same building, but uh, is it is the governor say well? I've got the Democrats, and I don't need to meet with uh, Brian Newberry uh, over on the House side. I don't need, need to need to meet with Jessica De La Cruz, or, or, or is at least uh, is he approachable? Well, so I have met with the governor, and um, you know, listen. As much as I've criticized the governor, and there are things to criticize, but I want to see him succeed because. I, you know, I don't care if you're a Democrat or Republican president. I want to see you succeed. And I feel the same about our governor. Because if he succeeds and he does a good job as governor, then we all succeed as Rhode Islanders. So I really do want him to do his very best and, I, and give credit where credit is due. But um, I have had, you know, some, I've had the ability to meet with him. Uh, he's a very busy man, obviously. Uh, but our... our um, our 
our priorities are not uh, exactly the same. So I would say that my meetings really have been more so um, with my colleagues, with the Senate president. And, you know, when I get the chance to, to meet other colleagues from across the aisle on the House side, I do speak to them as well. Like when Zamborano was a big issue in Burrowville, um, listen, I would talk to anybody that would, would let me talk to them about Zamborano so that I could convince them and try to explain, you know, why Zamborano was so important. Um, and I will continue to do that because building coalitions um, is how I'm going to get things done in the Senate, like Zamborano and like passing that legislation protecting children from exploitate, sexual exploitation. Um, and, you know, am I going to get as many pieces of legislation passed as my Democrat colleagues? No, but I'm not necessarily looking to pass legislation. You know, I want smaller government, less, you know, less involvement in the government in my life. So, um, that's the way I would go about it. Jessica, when you said um, Zamborano, when Zamborano was an issue, uh, can you, um, I, I didn't plan to ask this question, but yeah. in 2023 here in February, is Zamborano under control in your opinion? I think they're going in the right direction. Um, you know, is, is everything running perfectly and smoothly? No, but they're in transition. They're, they've made some big changes. Um, they were, the hospital under uh, Governor Gina Raimondo was on its path to closure. And it was a very slow process, and I think it was intentionally done that way, so not to bring attention to the matter. But, um, you know, one, one would say shadow closure, and I would say my closing by attrition. And, um, and people at the hospital reached out to me, and they were like, you know, can you do something? Can you bring attention to this? And I was just really surprised at what was happening. So, um, so that's what I did. I worked with my colleagues to bring attention to it. So the Senate um, unanimously was behind saving Zamorano Hospital. It cost a lot of money. Um, we had to put aside $100 million to make things right up for Eleanor Slater Hospital System, which Zamorano is, is under that umbrella. So... Um, you know, taking the, the hospital because we have, you know, one for physical ailments and one for psychiatric and creating a standalone psychiatric hospital uh, was an important step for the hospital. So we did that. Um, there was just a lot, a lot of, of um, I would say, like policy that went into it, a lot of research. It's it's. It's one of those things where, like, if I'm, if I'm going to sit down with you for an hour, we can go through step by step and issue by issue. It's not one of those, like, oh, we just need to change the law and, you know, we fix the problem. Um, it's very detailed and in-depth. And it's not, like I say, it's not one of those, like, sexy topics, you know, like uh, the, the sales tax or protecting children from sexual exploitation um, where it's like, oh, it, it's, you know, quick news hit where you can explain it in a sound bite. But um, it's just almost like a, what I say, like a like policy, like wonky kind of thing where it takes a lot of explanation. But it's an important, that hospital is so important because it's the only one of its kind in the state. And it does, it does provide um, medical uh, services to really our most vulnerable. A couple of more really questions. Our most vulnerable. Yeah, go ahead. Before we leave... Uh I'm sorry, that was a long-winded. No, answer. not a, not a not a problem. But I do want to um, I do want to talk about one of the issues that shows up on our talk show. We're a news talk station. What 
a lot of our listeners can't understand, and maybe you don't understand, um, is the surplus. I mean, we get this huge surplus, and it doesn't seem that um, whatever they're spending the surplus on is uh, in line with a lot of what Rhode Islanders feel. And that maybe that there's just so much in the surplus, why aren't we using it, for instance, to... uh, to back up your idea of, uh, you know, uh, um, absorbing some of the revenue we'd lose, for instance, in lowering the sales tax. We've got a huge surplus, not only here in the city of Woonsocket from those American Rescue Funds, but the state of Rhode Island. And we're spending it, um, well, I don't know how we're spending it. How do you feel we're spending it? Well, there's going to be a lot of proposals on how to spend that money. And I would tell your listeners, if you can't come into committee and testify... Um, you can send an email. And I try to, I, I send out emails, I try to do them once a week, sometimes a little more, sometimes a little less, depending on the time of year. But um, they can sign up for legislative updates on my website at jessica4ri.com. And I send out emails to say, hey, these things are going to be heard in committee. I can't do all the bills because there are thousands of bills. But I, I try to pick the most important ones or things I think are the most important ones to Rhode Islanders. And they can sometimes in my email as simple as one click where they can say, you know, it says click here, they click on it, and an email populates, and all they have to do is put their name and their the town or city in which they live. They can alter the email however they want it, or they can send it as is, and it goes to the committee. Um, sometimes, you know, other, other ways I would tell individuals is, if I know who your senator and rep is, you can go to the Secretary of State website. Um, you can get their phone number, plug it in, save it into your phone. And once you hear something that's really important to you, like the sales tax, you already have them in your phone. You could call them and say, hey, just leaving a message letting you know I support the sales tax cut to 5%. I hope you support it too. It's as simple as that. You don't even have to ask for a call back unless you really want one. Um, you know, it may take a few minutes to get that phone number, put it in your phone, program it. But once you do, it's there and it'll only takes you a few seconds to have your voice heard. Easy enough. Back to the, go ahead. Easy enough. Um, you mentioned, um, uh, or I suggested that uh, this, that maybe in five years from now, uh, undocumented people or illegal people uh, could uh, vote in local elections. Do you have, um, and do you have the same feeling that in five years from now that the progressives will be uh, controlling the Senate and the House because uh, from uh, from an Observer here, uh, the the numbers seem to be creeping up uh, every year. And uh, so as a Republican looking, and and those progressives, incidentally, are coming into uh, Rhode Island's General Assembly through the Democrat Party. Where do you see that going? Well, I would have told you when I came into the Senate, I thought it was pretty progressive. Uh, I thought it was more progressive than it had ever been. But after this election, I feel like, um, some progressives did not run for re-election or um, lost, and so it kind of swung maybe um, a little less progressive, where the House, I consider less progressive, now is more progressive because of the people that were elected. And so I do think there's always going to be a little bit of um, a swing. Um, I have to believe that in that the the tougher things get in Rhode Island, that people may be willing to give Republicans a shot. Kind of like myself, I've had people tell me in my district, you know, I've never voted for a Republican, but I voted for you twice, and I think you're doing a great job, you know, 
they tell me the issues that are important to them. So my my goal as the Republican from the northwest corner of Rhode Island is to show people that um, don't, I would say, don't judge someone by the letter after their name, the R or the D, but talk to them about their policy. Find out where they stand, because a lot of times we agree on on things. There'll be obviously things that we don't agree on, but I say, you know what, my husband and I don't agree on everything. We agree on most things, but, you know, um, I don't think there's anybody on the planet that will agree with me 100%. Um, so I just, uh, I think... Republicans getting their message out there, being effective uh, with that messaging and, and reaching the voters. I think, I have to believe, I'm not saying that Rhode Island's ever going to be red, but I think that we can capture more seats um, in the General Assembly. Before we leave, um, I just wanted to ask you um, to, uh, if there's anything that you wanted to comment on, because, uh, you know, I call you and I say, can we do an interview? And you say, well, I'm sure he's going to ask me about this. But maybe I didn't do it. Anything you want to comment on before we uh, close out the show? Well, I mean, there's going to be a lot of legislation that I'm working on this year. So anytime you want to have me on, I would love to talk about uh, particular pieces. But if I'm going to bring up one thing, you know, again, San Bruno is very close, uh, very important. Um, it's very important to me. It's very near and dear to my heart. And I would just say that one of the things that was overlooked about San Bruno was we don't have, uh, we have a fire station, quote unquote, I'll say with air quotes, a fire station um, on the premises, but it's actually just the garage. And so we need a proper fire station, nothing fancy. I'm looking to, to get um, $5 million in the budget to build a new station, a real station, not a garage. Uh, very simple structure, steel structure, two bays, something not only to protect the patients in, in the event that there was, there, there is a fire. Uh, on the premises, but also the $100 million, $100 million investment that the state is making on that property. And so I hope that that uh, very small budget ask is in the budget this year and we can uh, protect the patients and, and the investment that we're making. And fires do happen in hospitals. We had one last week in Brockton, so it does, um, it does happen. Yeah. Hey, Jessica, thank you for uh, joining us. I do have your number, and we will call you uh, through the session on uh, particular issues if uh, that's permissible. And thank you for... Oh, anytime. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Jessica De La Cruz, Senator, District 23, Senate District 23, State of Rhode Island, and uh, covers all of Barville and Gloucester and a good uh, crunch there in North Smithfield. Thank you for being with us here on the Upfront Program. And thank you for being of us as an audience. This has been WNRI's Upfront, presented weekday mornings at 8 a.m. Upfront is a regular public affairs presentation of News Talk 1380, WNRI Woonsocket.